If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like <laughs> so. We are brought to you as always. Been there since the beginning. People that are, were with us when this was just an idea, just starting out. Classic ropes and Equinity products. It is a new day at the Flatbed Podcast. Let me tell you what I'm doing tell you how it affects you we are going into basically our second season we're not calling it a season because i don't even know why you would do that i mean we're into our second year that's all that means we're adding a subscription option what that means is not you have to pay to listen to every episode but what we're doing is we're recording bonus content for every episode with every guest we're asking stupid questions we're going completely off script we're just going according to what we think would be funny um it's just bonus content and what i what i found is you get a little a little better look into the person that's on the on the podcast instead of being stiff or formal um we start off with bonus content we ask stupid questions you get the like the live reaction we've said it's like an inkblot test right you just say whatever comes to mind first i personally have enjoyed it i've i've loved the bonus content because like i said you get to see a different side of whoever's in uh the studio uh for the month it's five bucks for the month for the entire month which comes out to about like a dollar a little like a dollar 25 per episode so less than a dr pepper you get to listen to all the bonus content you can click on it and add now here's what this does by helping fund a little bit of what we're doing it allows some travel to places that we would like to go um i was watching youtube last night about the bullfights and i was like man how cool would it be if we could go to spain someday and talk to the people that run the bullfighting rings right like go talk to the people that own the horses that are part of that like and i'm only using that as an example we're not trying to fund a trip to spain but uh you know i would i would love the option to financially be able to go to the places where things are happening that are interesting outside of maybe just only team roping in arizona i know we made a trip to texas so um we're adding the subscription site but the truth is honestly even if it was doing nothing but funding my rock star recovery bill every month um, it, the, the, the content has been fun. It's been a blast. So like I said, a dollar 25 an episode is what you're, what you're investing. It is super easy. Um, and we haven't had, we haven't had one bonus segment yet that hasn't made everybody laugh. It's been fun. We've enjoyed it. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to release three free bonus episodes this week, give you an idea. Um, we're going to release three of them this week. You can take a look at them, see what you think. But then also after that, it'll be one per episode. We haven't recorded any podcasts without also including bonus episodes. So, um, I would encourage you to check it out. It's fun. Um, I, I really do enjoy it. It's something I've actually, it's been a, it's been an addition to the podcast that I've enjoyed. So check it out. Throughout this podcast, you're going to hear from our partners, uh, who make this podcast possible. Uh, we've been able to do this for a year and a half now, almost two years, uh, bringing you the stories that we like to tell that because, uh, we like to hear them. Keep in mind when you hear from these companies and these products that they are not companies or products. These are people. These are people that made the decision to interface with you through this podcast, which means they speak the language that you speak. These are our people. Um, these are also companies that we have vetted personally. We don't uh, represent any of these companies that isn't a product we wouldn't pay full retail for or people that we wouldn't go into business with. So you're not just hearing a random ad that we got paid to reread. Uh, what we've done is we have partnered ourselves with these companies and with these people to try to create a culture uh, around this podcast. So you're going to hear so, you're going to hear from them throughout the podcast. Keep that in mind when you hear it. Man, I am sold on Equinity products. It's one of the things we get the most questions about. Actually, is does it work? 
All of my horses are on it. I'm telling you, you can tell a noticeable difference. It's the thing that uh, triggers the pituitary gland to work more efficiently. And for you science nerds, uh, the pituitary gland is sort of like the control center for all of the chemicals and all the balances. And it's, uh, it's the control center that keeps a horse healthy. Um, I've noticed I've noticed a physical change, but to be honest, the mental impact that it has on them, keeping them calm, ready to show up, ready to go to work, check them out. Uh, you can you can find them at all their social media at Equinity. Let's be honest, who hasn't heard of Equinity? I'm not telling you how to find them. You already know. I'm just telling you the experience I had, and it is worth it. I will never not feed Equinity to my horses. Joe Beaver, this is the first podcast we've ever recorded in my house. Usually well, good. We'd, we'd I like a, to be first things. Yeah, we usually be at a studio. Yep. Uh, getting ready to go to New York on Thursday, mm-hmm. and so we got all our stuff here. And you're mm-hmm. here doing a school here in Whitman. So, yep. welcome to the welcome to the actual house. I'm, this is the best place to do stuff. It's uh, homely. So when we started this podcast, I'll give you a, a quick setup as mm-hmm. we get rolling. Is that I didn't I couldn't find a podcast that scratched a specific itch for me. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, remember the movie Wizard of Oz? Mm-hmm. You see Oz and all the crazy stuff at Oz, and then you meet the wizard. Mm-hmm. And the wizard explains all the rest of it, right? And I felt like I wish there was, I, was, I remember when I was a kid, maybe you were this way, I wish I could have sat in the back seat with my heroes that were rodeo, just sit in the back seat, just to hear what the conversations were like off stage, mm-hmm. right? Ever, and I think growing up in a ministry family, you see this a lot where there's like ministry face mm-hmm. that your family's got. But then, like, on a Tuesday, you get to see, you know, the the real-life stuff. And I just so badly, I just had such an appetite to know people kind of off stage or behind stage. And so I'm curious if that's something I'm, I'm – I, I don't know how to start. I don't know see, how to, see, like, me for me, I never had that, that because I'll be honest with you. I never had any rodeo heroes. You know, I grew up in South Texas before the phones and before all the videos and before all the TV stuff. So – you know, my heroes that I that I grew up with were amateur guys down there that I saw person to person, regular basis. Yeah. And I saw them in dice games, and I saw them coming in. You know, I remember it being a jackpot one day untying calves. I used to untie calves for five dollars a day. <laughs> you know, my dad would go to the ropings, and I would untie calves. And I remember one day at a roping, waiting. They were waiting to wait, and it, I kept wondering why they were waiting to start. And these two guys rolled in from Houston that night before they'd been to. Uh, Simonton and Aldine, the, the amateur rodeos, and they rolled in, and, you know, they rolled in, and it had been muddy and had saddle tied on top, you know, where to dry off, and mm. they waited on those guys, and they got out, you know, and, you know, a girl got out of the other side they hadn't that night before had met and hang out with, and they were looked like shit, and they won first and second. I saw both sides. Who was, who was it? Do you it remember? It was Bubba Kendricks. Yeah. No Bubba way. Kendricks. Yeah, man. That's my man. He's my hero. Bubba, Bubba Kendricks and Mark Dearman were my heroes. Yeah. That's who my dad copied my style, my style after. He said early on, if you can learn to reach and use your rope like Bubba Kendricks, and you can learn to flank and tie like Mark Dearman, you'll never have to get a job. And, and that, that was my guys. That's that a pretty my, big if, though, Joe. I mean, that's huge. You, you if, hear those that. two guys, if you knew them or know I've ever heard them down there, you know, they were. Man, those guys were unbelievable. They, That's like saying if you can shoot threes like Curry and dunk like Michael Jordan, you'll be fine. You're like, yep. uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure that, that is, is. It's kind of like that. And I think that's one reason Jordan and I worked so hard at 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 those two parts of my game always. You know, I, I never – I didn't miss many, and I didn't mess my string up much. Not break a barrier, or I might make something else stupid decisions. But it was because my dad had installed early on – at the ropings, while you're jacking around playing around time, if you hear those two names, go watch. Right. You know, and right. I'd go to the fence and watch those guys. They were my, they yeah. were my guys. Granted, I, Bubba was older, you know, when I was mm-hmm. coming up, but I remember him, even in old age, throwing it. Just, yeah. He, well, 
you see headers now maybe where they throw before you even think it's close, yeah, right? Like you think that he was doing that Roman Kiaz, mm-hmm. but it, did it feel like back when you were watching him, did he have a, a neck shot that would go around tight around their neck or no, did it fall on? He just caught, he caught them a lot. Right. You know, my dad always told me you sharpen that thing up. You well, learn, that's, that's you what I was going You learn how to write cursive. He'd tell me write cursive with your rope. Well, and that's where I was going with yeah. that is like watching you growing up, mm-hmm. you would reach a lot. But man, it felt like it was tight. Did yeah. you did you feel like that? And then you kind of just answered it. You felt like you could take the range, but then put the kind of yep. English on and, your. And loop. I think what helped that as much as anything is as many goats as I roped. <laughs> you know, I roped so many goats when I was a kid. Um, you know, I mean, we did, we did, we did. My dad, mom, dad did all they could for me there my whole life. I mean, you know, but I had one horse and three calves, and you got to rope so much. But I, you know, when I was from the time I was ten till I was probably thirteen, I had a Shetland. And and goats in a in a big old pen and that's you know I'd run yeah I might run a hundred goats a night just chase them around roping you had to learn to rope them you know before they went here and there and I think that's where I got Sharp. so precise with yeah. my rope and then be honest I had a really nice horse when I was about oh I started riding him I guess I was about sixteen but he couldn't outrun me and you tied together. So I had to learn to use my rope, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's what real I life had. application. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody I've ever known, and I, I, I want to set this up and make sure I say it clear enough because I don't want it to to I don't want to get lost in the weeds on how I say it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody I've ever known, you are integrated into a culture there in Houston mm-hmm. that not everybody will get to know. And what I mean by right. that is, I got to go like T babies one for twenties. Like mm-hmm. I got to spend some years down there, and in the culture where there's black calf ropers and a lot of them, you mm-hmm. know, Little Egypt. Uh, T Baby's place in Madisonville, Huntsville, some of those ro- that oh, rodeos man. and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I went that. to all of them. And like nobody I've ever known, there is no distinction between Joe Beaver and the black community of calf ropers that are there. You know, I was, I didn't ever feel like I'd reach that. I'm not saying that right, I should have at all. Right. I, but I, I was friends with them. I enjoyed being there. But then I remember it was like when you were there, you were them. There was I, no I, distinction. And, the, and that's the one thing I think, I think that's the biggest plus for my whole deal is, you know, I grew up. One of my best friends was Dexter Grace. Dexter Grace has as much talent as me or anybody else. And he just, some things got him sidelined that, you know, kept him from going. We rodeoed together. I mean, me and Dexter were tight. We went everywhere together. And he, I assumed he was going to go on with me to wherever we went, whether I made it or not. You know, right. and it just, it didn't work that way. But, you know, early on, man, I go back, way back there to when I was, you know, just a kid and Omero Cantu and Tracy Williams and John Reeves and, you know, I was raised to never see. You look inside the person. You don't look out on what they are. I don't care if you're green or blue or right. black or brown or whatever you are. I look. I've always. I was taught to look inside the person, and that's the person you either like or you don't like, and it's for no other reason than what the, what's made of them inside. You know, what gets on my nerves, and this is not to be ugly, but you can tell people that, that haven't been raised around black friends, mm-hmm. but they really try really, really hard. And you can tell they're really, really trying because then they talk differently when they get around their black friends. They're, like, trying so hard. And I think that's almost worse than just, like, you're fine. Just be yourself. Like uh, it's, it's, it's family. To me. You know, I'm either you're either my friends or my family or, or you're not. And it's not because of what the hell color you are or what you're at. You know, I was so lucky early on, man, to go with Grace and, you know, Bubba Brown and Wayne Brown, you know, guys that – were just really successful, tough guys to beat. And, you know, Calvin Greeley was like, man, he's Shout like family. Calvin. You know, he stayed with me, and I bought two good horses that he had trained. And, you know, I just I think people get too tangled up in, in judging. You know, man, if you want to judge, if you're going to judge off the bat, you're not going to like me from the get-go probably. Right, right. You know, and, and – It's almost easier, I don't you think – 
when you have a big personality and you're an outgoing person, don't you think it's almost easier? Like if you're not going to like me, I can live with that. The faster I can find that out, that's fine. That's oh fine. man. It's just, a, it's hey, just I used exhausting. tell Brody, you know, when, when Brody was alive and he was younger, you know, going and doing it with people and meeting and stuff, I'd say, listen, Hey partner, they either going to love you or hate you because of me. I'm sorry, right. but they're going to judge you right. before they're right. not going to give you a chance. They're either going to love you because of your dad or they're going to hate you because of your dad. You have to learn to deal with that. Right. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a, sad thing to say but you know i've told john that and kobe that and you know everybody i helped along the way you know you're gonna have them haters man right. they're gonna talk shit about you or me or whoever because of what we do how we do it whatever and you know i just tell them just don't pay any attention to it and roll on because how? life life man you know life is hard enough to live you better enjoy it you better just take it as it comes because if you go to not sleeping at nights over life then you need to re you need to rethink the way you're living there's a guy that said during the crash in 08, he said, we spent money we didn't have to buy things we didn't need to impress people we don't like. Mm -hmm. And I think that where we see that is you see a lot of guys putting a lot of effort into like a public persona or they're really trying to put out an image so badly and want to be liked. And they're trying to impress people. They're not going to like them anyway. Yep. And so really they're not getting to be themselves. They're playing this role. What's unfortunate is a few people do give them enough like uh, attention or whatever, then they're stuck to it. Oh yeah, you know, and like the 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 damage that that causes, never getting to be fully yourself ever. Yeah, it, it, no distinction. In, in our world, in in you know the rodeo world, I call it. Okay, so that's our our world. I'm, we're talking about. You know, I've been l so lucky because I've been involved in a lot of the change. Mm. You know, I came along with amateurs, you know, in the early '80s and and in the pros, you know, the second half of the '80s when life was lived. To the limit. You yeah. know what I mean? It was pushed to the limit. We lived a way different way than they do now. You know, then the 90s rolled around, and then I rodeoed a different way, you know. I rodeoed with my family, and, you know, I went to, you know, I don't, carnivals and zoos right. and theme parks. So I got All to the stuff that you just way. walk right by and never think about. Yeah, I mean, it was totally different. And then the 2000s rolled around, and it was straight business, you know, because I knew I was going to have so many years left to see how much I could get, you know, set up for after that. So I've seen... I've seen three different decades of people like you're talking about, and it never failed. The ones that strived to get your attention or to get your acceptance or to be, or they were the, they weren't who they really were. Mm -hmm. They never really succeeded or were happy at whatever they finally won. Yeah, and the other ones, yeah. we were happy with whatever we got. That's it. That's you know? it. I mean, that's probably the key to life, honestly, is learning mm -hmm. how to be yourself. Yep. And then and then just living in it. I want to go back real quick. So you grow up amateur rodeo heroes. You start having success early. Mm -hmm. And you've been open about it. I wouldn't ask if it's something you yep. hadn't already been open about. Like the early 80s, mid-80s. Like, do you remember where that started? Because I think, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you would say, like, there were some roads you started down that you needed to come back from. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, and, and I can't remember. Hey, man, when I was a junior in high school, we put, well, I take it back. I start back. David Nygaard is the first guy I went with when I was 15, 16, whatever, right in there, you know. Hey, man, and he was a great – he was – that's a muck was tough, and he won, but he was tough. Mm. Like, he, David Nygaard was the epitome of tough guy. Like, I mean, he'd fight. He didn't care. He'd fight Matropia at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> after the bar closed. You know, we just – I mean, I, I, I rolled, and I I got a taste of life then that maybe was above, way above my – 
age and above my pay grade, but I I liked it. I I had fun with it. You watch those young guys. There's a lot of them that are super talented. Mm -hmm. That their talent almost gets them to a place that their age isn't ready for. Yeah, and I was and I was there, but I I was the guy that, you know, man, I I I embraced it and I took it on. I liked it. So the next couple years, you know, I'm with Stephen Perry. We when I was a junior and senior high school, we we put our money down 254 times. I think. Goodness. And two sixty six the next year. No that's kidding. that's a lot. You know, what I mean, that is a lot. And that's sustainable. That's when you know, I mean, hell, no, nobody ever twisted my arm, and nobody ever, you know, you know, uh, pushed me the directions I went. You know, man, I took driving pills to stay awake for me. You right. know, I'd I'd go home and go back to school. You know, my dad had a deal, man. You had to be home Monday morning time to go to school, and you could leave. You could leave Thursday when school was out and miss every Friday as long as you had good grades, you know? <laughs> right, so I mean, that, that's what I did, you know, every, every week. And in the summer, we just took off. And I think as, a, as I rolled through there and then you, you know, get into the pro, the pro ranks, you know, there was that. There was a back then, back then you could almost take it like a, a, like a pie cutter, you know, a big pie cutter. You stick down at a pie mm-hmm. when it's hot and it cuts all the pieces. Mm-hmm. You could, you knew every part of the people. Yeah. You know, and man, I was, I run with the the fast pace and the, you know, we were drugs, rock and roll, fast car, sex, drug, whatever we want. We were that bunch, but there was a chosen few of us that were blessed with the ability to win still. Right. Now right. there was a lot of them that weren't. Sure. So they lived that way and they were glad to have us with them. Right. If that makes it sense. It does. Well, but, yeah. They but become... only a few of us actually could still win because... We won first, and then we foolished after that. <laughs> but we won first. We took, we made sure we were the best we could be. But then we were a fool after that. Is that? I don't know. You don't want to tell somebody else's story with them not here. I know, but do you, is it public information? Some of the guys that you rodeo with early on, or is that just? Man, I, you know, I cracked out my whole deal. When I cracked out, I went with Roy in the winter, and that's where I really learned about high rolling and flying here and flying there. Man, we chartered a plane. You know, I remember one night, we're at Kansas City, first rodeo I ever went to, and we get done that night. We're not up till the next night, and we go to the airport, and we drive from hangar to hangar till we find a guy with a plane. We chartered a plane to Northside to go to the bar. No kidding. Yeah, we chartered. Hey, it was so cold. If I don't know if La Bombo was out by then. If I'd have seen that movie, I'd probably be scared. But we get on a single-engine plane with a with a pilot we never met before, paying cash. He flies us to Fort Worth so we can party all night, and we commercial back the next day. For young people that don't know, tell this story. Has there ever since been somebody with more all-star, superstar, rock star, Hollywood energy than Roy at the height of his thing? Because no, I've heard people say there's not never, at all. never before, never since. There's never been a guy that possessed that much. Nope. Like superstardom, or you know, in his circle. No, that- man, me and that guy had more fun. He he was when I came along. He was just so dominant, you know. Mm. I mean, he just kicked everybody's ass ha- at will, you know. And I think when I came along and I got with him, and I and I'll tell you, he I, he called me in. Uh, he had he used to have a, a junior open every Thanksgiving, right? So he calls me in November the or October actually. I see him at at Rockdale, he ropes Butch Bodie a match for a benefit for a guy that was real bad sick, whatever. They were buddies. And he said, then he said, hey, you want to rope my, uh, you want to come, you come my junior open? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's endurance. Thanksgiving, yeah, it's quite a ways. And this is my senior year in school. And he said, um, he said, well, you ought to come rope. That's all I ever heard. So I don't hear from him again until, I don't know, I'm at, I'm at home one day, phone rings. I answer the phone. He said, Joe there. I said, this is him. He said, this is Roy. 
I said, Roy. He said, yeah, Roy Cooper. I said, yeah, whatever, and hung up. You know, so he calls back. He said, hey, man, it's me. He said, I talked to you about opening that match. I was like, oh, yeah, when is it? He said, Thanksgiving, Durant. So whatever, our son Saturday, Junior opened, and and then I'll pay your fees, and I think it was the fees and 100, 100 bucks for fuel if I'd come rope the match. I'm like, yep, I'll be there, and I just hung up. Didn't even ask who it was. No, I didn't care. He's right. going to pay my fees. Right. I rope him, pay my fees, you know. <laughs> I didn't care. And he called back, and that's what he said. Well, don't you know who you're roping? I said, I don't give a damn. I rope you. And he said, it's Mike Johnson. He's going to the finals this year. And I didn't pay attention. I don't – like I said, I, I, I didn't know who all the guys right. were. Right, And I was like, okay, good, I'll be there. You know, and that's how it was started. How old, how old were you that then, your that senior was, year? Yeah, that had been in 84, so I'd have been 17, 18, like coming 19. And then how old was Mike Johnson? Mike's, I think, about three years older than me, maybe something like that. Because okay. I think he made the finals in 84 the first time, or 83 maybe, and maybe he's going back again. So gotcha. then I went back that winter. Actually, I, I came home for Thanksgiving, went back, stayed. I went to um, uh, San Angelo with him, and I went to, you know, I stayed there. I lived there all that winter. I went up there in October. Stayed there pretty much. How the went how the, the next ma- winter? How the match go? Uh, I beat him. I beat him. Yeah. And I tell you what, the left side of his indoor arena was everybody, mm. and my the right side was me and Bill Robinson, Copenhagen School guy back yeah. then that's passed been passed away. It was me and Bill Robinson and Jimmy Geese was with me and Terry Postrack. Terry Postrack had a piece of paper with bets written. All down it. It's like if he didn't know your name, he'd say, guy with the black and blue vest and black hat, 300, 200, you know, whatever. We had 3,500 bet that day. And and it was just us. And then it was all of Oklahoma that was there. And he had D there, D Pickett, practicing for the finals. And um, Chris Libert and somebody else were all roping, getting ready for NFR because so it was Oklahoma City. You that know? would be like Kincaid Henry now who's made him twice. Or, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like that that's early on but yep. having some success, matching a kid that's relatively unknown from high school. Yep. You know, obviously the momentum in that situation goes to the guy that's already done Oh, it. I'm telling you, they all – we could have bet 20000 we'd had it. And so – We didn't have no money. <laughs> it was just all you had. The calf rope and match deal, and I, I, I growing up there, I feel like I've got sort of a handle mm-hmm. on it. But how would you describe to somebody that's never been in Texas, that hasn't been around the match rope and culture, the the role that those play? Because it's not it's not a small thing like a match no, calf no, no. rope. you see match team ropes that like they used to put on places, yeah. I guess. But they, I don't I didn't feel like they were ever really a grudge match. Calf rope and matches are a completely different deal. So when you show it to rope against an NFR qualifier, you. describe what goes into a match. Well. You know, back then culturally, culturally, what they back mean. then the last couple of years I amateured, almost every Sunday back then there was an open roping four for hundred in in Texas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Shreveport used to have some, but somewhere we wound up Sunday everybody was there and rope four for hundred in open roping, and when I was with David Nygaard, he or I matched every week almost because if they didn't want to match Nygaard he'd run them at me. Because Nygaard was the king of match ropers back then, dude. I'm talking about I can name four or five guys they brought down there for Matt to and he'd be every, you know. So so I roped him every Sunday almost. And and it was for two reasons. I was broke and that was gonna get me money to rodeo the next week if I didn't rope good right. that week, or it's gonna double my money so I could put it back to buy something. So I'd rope whoever for whatever. You know, I mean there- I roped all the time. I roped, you know, I'm gonna say in two years there I probably roped. 30 or 40 matches. So when I get the call to rope Mike Johnson, hey, it's nothing new. And they're, and they're like, man, you know who that is? And who? I said, I don't, I don't have any idea. I don't care. I, I'm going to go Don't rope. need to. I'm going to go rope and try to tie Rick F faster than he does, and then that way I'll win. Was there ever a guy you couldn't get by in a match roping? 
Yeah. Um, the the guy that beat me, that two guys, two guys beat me and said they never give me another chance. <laughs> and and it was a one was a I was too, thought I was too smart for my own at good. And later I rodeo with him and lived with him, got to be really good friends. But I was about seventeen, I think. I might have been 18, but I think I was 17. Anyway, we were at Decatur at that old building on yep. the road, on yep, the highway yep. out there. Before the finals, they used to have a big open roping. So we go up there to the open roping, and I had a horse that was that could not run. I mean, he worked. They called him Run a Lot Henry, but he couldn't run. So we roped in the roping. You know, they roped big old kids, and they were, them guys were getting for their finals. That's kind of when I've – those kind of jackpots when I got to see the guys, right. you know. And I'm like, man, you know. So there was a guy there, a redhead guy in Fort Worth, and I think he's passed away now. I can't think of his name. His name was something, Ricky something. And they've been bragging, wanting out they rope a match. Well, I hadn't won anything. So I told the boy, that boy I was with, I said, man, go over there and get that match set up. So we go over there, we're going to rope six calves for 500 or 400. Maybe it's 400, I think. So we waited. All the rest of this roping gets done was a setup deal. Jaton was wanting to run some on Cajun. His horse is going to ride the finals. Well, I didn't know Jaton, but the guys I was with knew, you know, Perry knew him. So mm-hmm. comes in the, the deal. We get ready. We're going to go pick Kez. That guy says, oh, man, I decided not to rope. It's getting cold. I'm leaving. I'm like, I've been waiting for three hours, you know. <laughs> Sitting but here it all day. Set up, see. So Jerry's guy steps up and says, hey, I got a guy to rope you. Hell, you want to rope? I'm like, yeah. He just, they say, I said, who? Jerry Jaton. I'm like, okay. Great. And this guy comes up and with me. He says, did you see his horse today? He's, he's got the best horse. He had a big sorrel's name. I think he called him Cajun. No, it was either Cajun or it was the one that came from Butcher Myers. It was so tight. I can't remember. Anyway, they already had calves picked for them. They'd been watching. It was a setup. Deal. You walked into it. Oh, he kicked my dog ass. <laughs> hey, he just run in there and rope, jerk them down, pick them up. He, Jerry was strong, you know, and he picked the biggest ones on him. He kicked my dog ass. When I got done, I said, I, I walked into this deal, and he just got like, hey, kid, you're going to wear it. I said, well, you, next time you won't get me. Right. And he never gave me another chance. And Robert Blanford one day stuck it on my ass like, I mean, we had a match open, and he beat me. We got done, and he said, hey, and I knew Robert. His dad is the one I used to go to Tuesday night ropings every Tuesday in San, Seguin and San Marcos, and his dad's the one that bumped me out of the B rope when I was 14. <laughs> and Robert wrote that day, and I said, good roping, Robbo. And he said, tell you what, you'll never get another chance of me. <laughs> and those two guys I never got by. That's but other than sticks that, with you. Everybody else, yeah, those two. Everybody else I pretty much, you know, was, I think I wrote Roy 10 or 11 times, and I think Fred and I wrote. Do you remember the scores six on all eight. those? Me and Roy, I think, are six and five or seven and four, and I'm ahead. And I think Fred and I are about I, – I don't really remember. I think we were pretty close to split. And, and I can't remember. I think we wrote three times at Angelo and one time at Rosenberg. I wrote McMullen three times, I think, got him really? all three times. You beat Sean all three times. Yeah, I beat him at uh, Angelo twice and at Mason once. No, kidding. I mean no, no, sorry, Ryan's, Ryan's and Mason, and I beat. Um, I roped. Uh, I roped everybody. You know that was like all the, the guys really roped good. You got Cody. I tell you that no, he was too young. Yeah, you know Cody came up behind right, me. Right, right, right. Um, I liked the guy. Me and Cody's dad liked the guy. Cops, uh, we like got arrested him today. Cody, this how much younger he was than me. He won a rope, and I was at one day. They had an open rope, and they had a B rope, and, and they let him in the B. You know, back then was, and then mm-hmm. he wins it. And they don't give him a saddle. So me and Leo had to go up there and get things straight. So Cody <laughs> was behind me quite a bit. You know, one of the toughest matches I ever wrote was Bubba Kendricks. Really, Bubba Kendricks wasn't he wasn't no kid either. I was, uh, I'm gonna say 
I was uh, that this would have been eighty seven or eight, and Bubba. You made him the first time in eighty five. Okay, right? so this would have been eighty seven or eighty eight. I tell you how scared of Bubba Kendricks I was to rope. They had a roping back then in um. There's Pick right there. He's calling us back. Yeah, here, throw it on. Throw it on. Pick. Joe happy New Year's Eve, my friend. Happy New Year's, buddy boy. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? How's everybody over there? We good. We good. I was doing this. I was doing this flatbed podcast with Jordan Weaver, and he said, "Who's the most famous person in your phone that'll answer?" I said, "Pick, unless he's busy, but he might be busy." And then, uh, and then you called back, so I had to answer good. it. <laughs> That's funny. Good. How'd, how'd it go? It's going good. It's going good. Tell him, yeah. tell him this is his official invite to come do the podcast anytime he'd like. Bales Hay is not only the best hay in Arizona. For you guys that don't know, the best alfalfa in the world is grown in Arizona. It's true. You can look it up. We have got foreign countries that have moved in to buy hay, uh, hay ranches for their animals overseas. The best alfalfa is grown in Arizona. And the best hay in Arizona is sold at Bales Hay. Um, this we're talking generational family into this business. They know what they're doing from the from the business of hay, but they're also doing just a tremendous job working with their water district, staying invested in the community, stay invested in the culture. Um, I, I've I've joked on every one of these we've recorded that it's hay you feel like you could eat yourself. This is stuff like that they're feeding at the dairies, the little bitty flakes. You know what I'm talking about. You pick this bale up, feels like it weighs 300 pounds, and you open it up and it flakes off in little one inch flakes. Um, and and I, I will tell you this: it's the cheapest hay in Arizona. Here's why. When you think of the amount that you have to feed, when the when the the quality of hay is so high, you can feed less of it. When you consider how you're able to feed less of it to accomplish the same goal, it is the cheapest hay in Arizona. Check them out at Bales Hay. You can uh, check them out. They're in Buckeye, but they will deliver. And also nationally. Say you want to get a truckload of hay shipped to wherever, hit them up. Bales Hay, Buckeye, Arizona. By now, you've heard me brag up and down about the Ranch Hand Solar Lights. Um, I've said they, they, you've heard this. They, they are the reason I was able to keep up and going through the summer. Uh, we went fully to graveyard and they were, they were a lifesaver for us. Um, hurry and get them ordered. If you're thinking you might get them, you know, you might someday buy some, get them ordered right now. There's a little bit of a waiting list. They will get to you, but order them now to get on the list. I'm telling you. Pro Series lights have been a complete game changer. I have my other lights, the smaller ones that I had before over my stalls, keeping hair off my horses. Check them out, Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. They're on all the social medias. Um, it, I, I mean, I can, what do I say? I can't brag on them enough. I, I, I recommend them, but then, you know, because they're my friends, because I love them, it starts to sound like a sales pitch. So to avoid that, I'll just tell you, check them out, Ranch Hand Solar Lighting. If you've been keeping up with the 1017 Project, you will know that we're in the middle of a We Heart Wickenburg series here in Wickenburg. It's the, it's the culmination of the arenas, the producers, our sponsors, um, the city of Wickenburg. We're partnering with the food banks, the after-school programs. 85% of the kids in Wickenburg are on free or assisted lunches, which is an interesting number because you've got this mass amount of influx in the winter. And then when they go home, the town, a lot of times um, there are people here in town that are struggling to figure out a way to feed their families. There's uh, the after-school program is sending them home with protein produced through these team ropings, through these jackpots, and you can donate no matter where you are. You could be living in Australia right now and make a donation to the 1017 Project. Check them out at the 1017project.com. So you're getting ready to rope, Bubba. Yep. I just goofed up the recording here for we a second. And I, my question was, a guy like that that's been your hero mm -hmm. for that long, it's kind of almost like fighting your dad. Yep. Right? Yep. Because 
you don't want to lose. Mm-mm. But then if you win, you just beat your dad. Yeah, it's it was hard. I mean, but I had this is how how much respect I had for him. We were I me, mean, Mike Arnold, and I were in Pawhuska at the Ben Johnson, and I had this gray horse I'd bought, and I was proud of him. Boy, he was a good one. But I stopped that night. We're getting gas. I tell Mike, I'm going to call home. You know, we had 800 numbers, right, so we could call home. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to call, go pay him, we'll call home. I'm going to see who won the roping because at the roping at Navasota, they had an open roping. The winner of the roping roped me on Sunday for 5000 cash in an ammunition box. Yeah. $20 bills. <laughs> 5000 So I call, and they, and they say, Bubba Kendricks won the roping. And I so now there's of, no getting out of it because – no. If it would have been, do you want a match? You could have said no. I could have said out no. Respect. Yeah, I, I, and I respected him that much. I wouldn't have wrote Bubba because Bubba's got to be 15 years older than me. So at this time, I'm 23, three years old or whatever. You know, he's 35, six, seven yeah. years old. And so I was like, no shit. And they said, yep. So I go back to the truck. And I told Arnold, I said, guess who we're open tomorrow? And he said, who? And I said, BK. He looked at me. He said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "We're Turn going out. through Huntsville, and we're going to pick my Pat up." And Pat was my good one. He was my dumb that I wrote Roy on the year before at Angelo. I wrote him at the finals. Wrote him at all the big stuff. And he was like, "Man, it's going to be hot." You think he? I said, "I'm not. I'm not taking nothing less than Pat because Bubba Kendrick will strum me." And and, and sure and enough, I got deserves my best. I'm not going to give him a half game, you know, because he's you know he's that tough. And and I took him and. I'm telling you, one calf changed the match. One calf, I roped him when he slowed up for the back end to turn back. I roped him. Bubba missed him, two looped him. And other than that, it was just it was a it was trading punches, you know. But that's how much respect I had. But when I after I beat him, you know, it's kind of those deals, like you said. And, and I had another one, you know, the two people I respected that I thought when I, met, I never wanted to match was him and David Nygaard because David cracked me out. David took care of me. You know, I, he's the one that taught me how to run a margarita machine. <laughs> he's the one that taught me how to shoot dice. He's the one that taught me how to fight, really fight, you know, at a young age. But he's the one that taught me the survival skills in life that you and I talk about helped me when I first year out there in the real world and right, hard. Right. You know, because amateuring and amateuring as much as we did, and we went a ton, you know, the last two years I was in high school. When I was a junior, we put our money down 256 times. When I was a senior, 264 times. That's a lot of rodeo and jackpots. But at the end of the day, you're still sleeping in your bed. That's right. You it's can different. still get That's mom right. and dad. You're still living the benefits of being That's a kid. That's right. Four days a week, I was a kid at home. Yeah. Yep. And a guy like that giving mm-hmm. you basically the weapons that you'll take to the real world. Yep. When you're gone for months at a right. time when and you're you, dealing with people you've never been around and know yeah. that's, that's, yeah. yeah that's you have right. the, the tools to survive in the yeah. real world. And a guy like that, that's a, that's a very paternal thing. Oh that's, man. He, I mean, he was, he's a guy that taught me, you know, I remember people showing up to match rope one night at Snook, Texas and Snook was a big amateur on Saturday night. Slack was, didn't start till 11 o'clock and Kefron was last. If you could go, if you were four hours from there, you could make it. Yeah. And they roped one for 50 and Toronto wrote one for 40. And then there was Starlight Ballroom was right there and it was a bar. <laughs> and I remember him coming in and, you know, David roping the first run and he'd go to the bar, go to be drinking beer and they, they'd want to jump on him. Match, kid, go get go get your man. Let's see. And I'd go over there to the bar. They thought he was weakened up over there. I'd go there and I'd say, hey, Dave, what, kid? Can't you say, so and so wants to match. 
Well, go get Dixie. That was his marriage. Get Dixie, two ropes, two strings. Go pick. How many rope? And I said, they want rope eight. Pick four good, strong ones and meet me at the shoot. And I would go do all that. So real quick, when you say pick before, four good, strong ones, that's not typically what people are saying. No, 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 no. Everybody wants to pick the lesser, you know, good, right. even calves. Right. He didn't want to even. He wanted the bigger, strongest. And this mare could not run, <laughs> but he would torture them on her, you know. And and I'd get everything ready, and I'd show up with two strings, two ropes. He's big old 11 polys. And I'd yes. tie it on, boot his up, warm his horse up, and I'd go over there and holler at him, and he'd stumble over with a six-pack of Coors Light, set it by the chute, and kick the shit out of whoever he roped. You know, so that's he a taught me. That's a, no way about it, and that's not taking anything away from Walter, but that's a dad role. And I think yep. young men get a few dad roles. You well, only yeah, one dad. I had the good paternal yeah. way I'm supposed to live yeah. that I went back to later right. from Walter. Right. Right. But survival mode that's comes from David. You, you, get, you get paternal figures in your life mm-hmm. for different areas of what you're doing. Your dad is always your dad, right? Yep. But then like that, what you're describing is exactly how a kid would describe a, a fatherly role of like, yep. so I went and saddled his horse, I got him ready. And then when he's stomping him, you're like, yeah, that's my yep. guy. That's yep. my guy. That's who I'm learning. Under. That's like, right. That's the guy. And, that, and that's we roped every week like that. And we went every week. And he was a farmer. And he worked his ass. I tell you how I learned to drive a stick shift truck. <laughs> you know, the most stick four, four speed, you know. We were at, we worked uh, Fort Worth, the IRA rodeo. And then they had one in the summit in Houston. The next day, we were up that night at Fort Worth, the next afternoon at the summit, right? No problem. But my crew, my crew goes from Fort Worth to Northside. Sure. Okay, I'm I'm a sophomore, so how old were you, 15, 16? And I, had a tr- I didn't have a truck yet. I didn't have enough money to buy me a truck. So my mom had a, a truck camper, it was automatic. That's all I ever. Mm. So we get through at Northside at 2 o'clock, and then we get done wherever we were at about four or five that, that morning and we take off to Houston. Well, there are, there's three of us, me, Bill, me, Bill, Norman and him. And they're drunk, drunk, drunk. He, we get in and he said, he gets over there on the side. Let's go kid. I said, David, you, I've never, you've never made me drive. You can't drive. I said, I've never, I don't know what, I don't have to shift. So he had a big old, um, Coors sign, Coors Light, you know, like it comes on a <laughs> yeah, keg. Yeah, yeah. He had that on there. He takes it off, unscrews it, digs through the, Glove box gets out the numbers one two three four in reverse <laughs> screws it on but when he screws it on it's so old it goes too far right so i i have to turn my head to read it so here jordan it took me five hours to get from north side hey, to houston hey, and there's a little bit of traffic there between getting out of fort worth it's pretty good there for five a while, hours but then you get back into traffic so if you're driving sideways not <laughs> that's listen and you'd have thought they'd have woke up because i just and i jerked and died you know i died it died five times getting probably to the interstate that's how he taught me to drive you know, and expect and expected me to get them there, and that's a three-quarter ton truck with a pre camper, a Hornet back then, and full horse bumper pull, and that's what he. he but he out. taught me. Yeah. He he made me. He didn't teach yeah. me. He made me the person that was the gutsy, tough that you couldn't jack with person. You know. Yeah. But he was the other one that I never wanted to match. So I never that, wanted to. To your point, the thought would be. I'll live the rest of my life, and that will never happen. That's not a situation that, like, you could have lived and died having never matched that yes, guy. Yes, I was fine. never going to yeah. ask him, yeah. and I was never going to let none of my people hit him up for a match. Well, if you ask, you're wanting to beat him. Right. If you never ask, it's the respect of, like, man, we yep. got an agreement. And he wasn't going to ever ask me because in the back of his mind, he thought he, he maybe he thought I was one of the only ones that could beat him. Right. Because nobody else could, and he intimidated half of them. Well, on both sides you are know? happy not knowing. Yes, and that's how I wanted it to go until one day, you know. 
one day we're in Houston at OB Jackson's at the jackpot or at the rodeo Saturday night. We all stay over. We got a jackpot Sunday, and we're done with the jackpot. I'm walking out of the arena. Me and Steven, I'm leading my horse walking out, and there's a guy there, and he's he's a gambler. I, I don't really know his name. Know him? I kind of know him. Seen him around, and he says, "You match anybody today?" And I said, "No, nope, nobody wants to play." We just kind of laughed, you know, and he said, we'll find somebody. He said, I got $1,000. I'll pay you 500 You win. You never have half of it. And I said, shit, I'm in. No risk. And he said, and he hollers up the mat at the guy, and he says, announce it. We're open for anybody here for $1,000. And I went, oh, shit, because I thought this is the day they're going to hit night guard up, and I don't want to rope him. Well, how would you ask a guy like that to say no to 1000 and, and I was like, you know me, I mean, I'm 16, so I was 17, eight, 17 then. And that was a lot of money, you know, five hundred. Well, and that almost gives Nygaard permission to try it because for a thousand dollars, he'd be stupid not to. Yeah, because he yeah, right thousand bucks him, he can beat my ass to get a thousand dollars. Yeah, know what and I mean? it's not at that point, it's not a personal thing. Yeah. Like somebody puts that kind of money up, it's like both of you guys are okay not knowing, but for that kind of money, both of you guys are like, yeah. well, yeah, and let's and, see. and we roped, and I'm telling you, like he didn't back off on me. I mean, he was a little, you know, he's a little intimidating that guy back then, and and we roped, and it was a good match. I mean, it was a hell of a match, and I and I wound up beating him. And and after that for a while, when you throw you throw your hands up on the last one, what's what's the feeling? Man, everybody's just hollering, you know. And, I, and I'm I'm just a little, I'm a little torn because yeah. I was like, man, I just stuck it on my guy. And then I'm on the other side, I'm like, he ain't gonna take it very good, you know. Right. So, uh, and it, it was and it took a little bit, you know, for after that when I'd seen him, you know, he was, <laughs> and I wouldn't go rodeoing with him then, you know, and he was right. doing his own deal. But but till still to this day, you know, man, if I see the guy and he's half, he's a 300 yards from me, I'm going to go see. Yeah. Hey, because he made me, you know, good or bad, whatever I am. Right. And I've been good and I've been bad and I've been decent. It's all, you know, but whatever I am in, in this business, you know, I, I say Stephen Perry, David Nygaard, and my mom. Yeah. That's who made me what I am. Yeah. Well, and we said it a minute ago before we recorded. It's like to recognize that people did that for you. First of all, it's a humble thing to say, but second of all, it opens the door because then you, you turn around and you look and you go, okay, so now being where you are in life, you look and you go, okay, then if somebody did that for me, yep, because there's no ramp out of out of the hole that you're born into. No, there's not. Right? That's right. That is right. How many millions of right. dollars have you seen squander because the kid that had the money didn't have the people, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And you beg and hire. I mean, you can hire the people, but like... It's not the same. It isn't. It's not. It's not the mm -hmm. same. And so when you get fortunate that somebody takes an interest in you, it changes your life. So you recognize that and you appreciate it. And then you turn around and you go, okay, well, then who? You know, it's my turn. Yep. You know, where do you, where, at what age do you think you were when you looked up and went, I think that's, that's something I want to be a part of. Did you know even, it's a long question, I'm sorry, even younger, did you have in your mind, you know, like, I'm going to do this someday? I think, I think, I think that what started all that kind of for me was my clinics early on. Because I did, I started doing clinics. I did my first clinic, a big one, 30 kids, a week after the finals my first year. No kidding. I did. In 85 in Giddings, Texas. We had 30 kids, and my dad helped me, and we did it. And then the next couple of years I did, you know, a few. And it was always that I liked that help and that, you know, I liked finding which ones that didn't think they had it. And right. I could see it and help them bring right. it. And then the ones that knew they had it, show me what you got. Right. So I enjoyed that part of it. But I think it was – my dad always told me to have an exit plan. He said, man, there's going to be a day that you can't time as fast as you want to, and that's the time you need to walk away. Don't wait till they sweep you off. Right, you know. Right, and right. I remember, I, you know, I had that. 
And when I started feeling it and started knowing it was time, I was like, you know, I, that's when I really got to doing 20, 30 clinics a year. You know, then later on, I saw the junior open with Barry. You know, Barry was our junior open. Guys only sure. got had one. For sure. When I went, when I was young, only Smith Brothers. They had it once a year, and that was it. Right. And then when you guys come along, because I used to take Brady and stuff. Smith, yep. It was Barry. And I thought, man, I want to do those junior opens. They're cool. They can help the kids, you know, make money, but you got to do them and – and they, they got to be able to win a lot and have fun. So, and then after that, you know, White Imus came along. Mm-hmm. You know, Don called me and said, you know, I'd met Don at, at New York at a trip. I had to go do a talk at a, I had to talk to a morning show, kids show deal. And the group I was with back then uh, had to go to the Imus show. So I rode with them and I got to meet Don and stuff. And, and I visited with him and he, we had a good visit and you know, we got along good and he was, kind of a, you know, different guy too. Yeah. We got along and he said, man, you know, my kid, and I was leaving, there was a picture of a little boy on his desk uh, with boots on, on a uh, stick horse. Yeah. And I said, hey, is that your boy? And he said, yeah, that's why. I said, hi, he likes the rope. He said, oh, it's stupid. If you ever decide to rope, I'm going to call you. Well, fast forward thir- 12, 13 years, I get a call one day and it's Imus. He said, I need you to tell me if we can teach him to rope. And for, f- uh, I think I worked for him for, Six years, five wow. years maybe after that. Yeah. They flew in every other Thursday. We wrote Thursday, Friday, went to Junior Rodeo, Saturday and Sunday. They flew home, and I kept horses, you know, and stuff. And I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, that part of it. Well, then after that, you know, uh, and that, and at that point still, Brody was cutting, and I was that was where all my money was going and helping him, you know. And How much – okay, let me – there's a reason I'm asking. How much cutting had you done at all before Brody? I had messed around with Farron Hightower one year when I had knee surgery, and Farron was a world champion. And I jacked around with him, and he partied and had fun, you know, like we did back yeah. then in the 80s, the first time I had my knee done. And so I'd been around it enough to watch and know. But my dad worked for Sam Wilson when he was young, and Sam Wilson was the king at one time in the country. So there was some familiarity. Yeah, so I kind of knew what was going on. And then my buddy Don Boone, that – that that's the reason I won so much of buildings the first year I had my car. Don Boone had a great horse named Buddy. And and I lived with Don and them a lot. And he had a building back then. No, and most people didn't in the right. 80s. No, right. So I stayed with Don and rodeoed with them, amateured, and and practiced there. And, you know, I, I, I just I was young. I just kind of stayed there like his kids, you know. Yeah. And he let me take his good horse, San Antonio, Fort Worth, Denver, Houston. Tucson, I win, I think, 20000 that winter, you know, or Turn something crazy. Turn loose with a kid is just Yeah, I mean, just happen. said, here, take him and go. Yeah. So we were that tight. Well, after he quit roping, he and his wife were big in the cutting, and they won everything. So I watched them a lot. Like Houston, we'd go visit, mm-hmm. and he'd done, you know, watch them. So I kind of knew the cutting deal. And Brody was riding jumpers at the time, uh, jumping horses, starting to ride jumpers, and was playing polo cross. And we were at Calgary, or at Houston, and he went and watched – the cut and watch it. We went to visit Don and Kathy and the kids and Kelly and Jody and everybody watch them cut. And he's like, I want to do that. And I'm like, well, pick something hard. Cause that's kind of like, you know, that's, <laughs> right. that ain't easy. Right. And anyway, he won Calgary, the junior cutting that year, that summer on one of Don's horses. Wow. And then after that, man, he just took that's off. Hooked. I mean, he made, and he made the non-pro finals a couple of times and won one of the nationals. And so I was, that was my, right. That was my, that was my uh, bucket that I needed to fill to keep going. Well, then we lose Brody, and, you know, it's kind of a void there because I don't really have anybody that needs it yeah. or that I want to help. You know what I mean? Real quick, certainly not to interrupt at all, at all. I just want to make sure I understand 
where you're at from a headspace standpoint. Because, like, for a while, my kids didn't want to do anything roping right. at all. So I was going to go with them, right? Yep. I was going to go do whatever they wanted to do. Yep. And it almost felt like in my mind I was already preparing that, like, this was a life I was going to eventually almost put down or move yep. away from, mm -hmm. right? Did you feel like that you felt your life almost moving away from rodeo and as Brody got more into the cutting, and then all of a sudden you look up one day and that is over, and now rodeo and is, is almost like this – not healing, but like that's what you go back to yeah. to try to learn. Well, how that, to heal that's it. what you know. Yeah, you go back to what you know, and you know, like I quit. You know, uh, let's see, the last time I made the finals was in '06, so Brody would have been 16, and he was just starting to cut. And then I went, I had my hip first hip surgery. Then I came back and I missed all of '07. Came back in '08 and was, I don't know, third or fourth in both events in Mar, uh, April, when. Um, my brother-in-law got killed. My brother-in-law and I, my brother-in-law owned Dodge dealerships, and we did a lot of stuff together in business deals. So he gets killed in April of 08, and that's when I went home. Yeah. Um, I'd had hip surgery. I'd, I'd taken all of 07 off. I'd come back really good. Tandy thought I had a couple more years. Brody was starting to cut a lot. I was, um, I was going. When he got killed, I sold my horse, my – uh, trailer, everything, come home. I thought, this is what I need to do, you know. So I came home to help get everybody through all that. My nephew was a standout football player. He had so, had had shoulder surgery. And when that happened, he just said, you know, done. I'm done. And he was in rehab. He was needing to rehab his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, right. And I was like, man, look, I need to rehab my hip. I'm going to stay home. We're going to rehab. Let's all do this together. We're going to do this. Yeah, we're going to get through all this stuff. And sure enough, it worked out good. He came back, played another year really good, got a college scholarships, you know, played a year before they just tore him up. You know, he yeah. wasn't quite big enough. And now he's, we put him, you know, we got, we got him through law school. Now he's a lawyer. No so kidding. it was all cool, wow. you know. But but then I was in a bind. Right. Because then my hip would give it up. You know, and I tried to come back a little. You have heard us talk about them, and now they are here. Roper buildings are starting to pop up all over Arizona. Uh, I remember, I, I probably said this already, but when I thought about a pole barn, I would think about like my grandpa's hay shed. This is not that. These are customizable buildings. It looks like you're building your horse a house. These are some of the prettiest buildings you can imagine and for a cheaper price point. Uh, we've said before that we're not going to partner with anybody unless it's a product we would pay retail for and people that we would do business with. And Dan Scarborough, the owner of the company, and Dustin Searcy, the guy that's running it here in Arizona, I'm telling you, both of those guys, I would be proud to do business with any day of the week. The reason that matters is that they're people that are gonna stand by their work, they're gonna stand behind their product. This is an amazing product at a cheaper price point from people you can trust. Check them out at roperbuildings.com. If you're coming to Arizona, this or any winter, check out the roping calendar. It is the fastest search engine for how to find what you're looking for here in Arizona. You can search by date, which, I mean, there are places you can find dates. You can also search by arena, where you click on the arena you're looking for, and all those flyers will pop up. You can also search by jackpot number and event, like you're looking for a different kind of event, but also the search by jackpot number, that's my favorite. So if I'm just looking for how to find the number 15 ropens, I click on the 15.5 tab, and only the flyers with those ropens will show up. It is the most useful tool in the state of Arizona, in my humble opinion. Check it out, ropingcalendar.com, and yes, before you ask, there's an app. Then my hip would give it up, you know, and I tried to come back a little bit and it was done. And that's when I said, you know what, my, I need to go home and just, 
do what he does because Jenna had done everything. They go, right. they went all over the country cutting. Right. I mean, he was he had a little bit too much rodeo in him to be a cutter, you know. Because if he saw five that week, he'd get to he would go to all five. You know, the cutters go camp and do one one right. or two. Right. So, but when all that you know was going, everything was cool, rolling along, and then we rolls around till he's you know he get, he graduates and. He goes and cuts and rides and stuff and does all that, and he decides he wants to come home and go to broadcasting school, and he takes a test and gets in, and then he checks out and we lose him. Yeah. You know, so then it was like, Jeez. okay, now where am I at? Because I don't, you know, clinics get all of a sudden got hard. Yeah. Because oh, it's all geez. the kids. Right. Junior opens all of a sudden, I, and, and I told myself, I said, Here, here's my, and I went to the barn one day, you know, I don't know, 30, 40 days after us, you know. And I went to the barn one day, and I looked at his horse, looked at my stuff, and I said, you better make a choice right now because, A, I got enough money now to go back to my old life and nobody finds me. Right, right. I, I, I get away from this. I leave it leave it on Jenna and them. They can deal with it how they want. I got a, I have a jet waiting for me out there at the little airport, and I'll go to Vegas or Brazil, and they'll never find me. I, I'll right. live until I don't live because I, I can do it. right. Or you better embrace this and open yourself up and try to help all the kids you can that you get a chance that they, if they need it because there's no gray here. You're no. either going to be an idiot, you know, back on the shit and out of control and live until you die, or you're going to go the other way and live as good as you can, take care of everybody around you. Right. And see, when I OD'd in O or 90 Whenever I would be 91. El Paso. In El Paso. That? When I came back, you know, I thought Jordan was to to do good. Oh, wait, you got another chance of life to do good. Right. I'd already won two or three championships. I'd already had good horses. I'd already been all over the world. When you say OD, though, make sure people hear, you didn't kind of OD. No, it I did. It wasn't like you no, didn't no, no. feel good for a little while. No, no, no. I flatlined dead, brain dead in the airport. Man, I was gone three and a half minutes. You're not supposed to come back. No. Or your chances of coming back in three and a half, four minutes and being good or not good. Right. You know, so I bounce back and I think, well, this is why I'm back to do all this. And it wasn't, it was to get everybody through the bad shit that was going to come hmm. because we lose Brady Helms, boy, we raised, you know, taught him to rope. He lived with us during college. He was with my mom and dad forever. He was like one of mine. We lose him in 94, maybe or so, you know, then, um, we lose, I lose McMullen when I was supposed to go with him back up north, and I was hurt. We're at Colorado Springs. You were supposed to be in the. We're at Colorado Springs a short go. I tore my hamstring. I made the short go. I was having. I couldn't hardly get down the rope and tie. And McMullen was parked right by us over at those plugs. He said, "Man, Joe B, just come up there and ride him." He had one saw it slid a lot. Ride him. He won't hurt you. Ride it for a couple of weeks to go to the Northwest and you can fly home. And I, I packed the bag and I unpacked it and I and I and finally J Pat I went to him the last day and J Pat said go home yeah. and heal up and I didn't go and he gets killed three days later in that wreck you know so I lost and it was all this stuff just coming you know yeah. then I lose my brother in law you know then you know I lost my dad had to get my mom all the stuff that happened I think is the reason I came back okay yeah so it's not about me now it's about and right. then after I lose Brody. Here, here, here falls my lap, John Douch, you know, and and JD at that time needed somebody that could help him go to where he had the ability to go. Where did that Where did that relationship turn from a young kid that you're going to help out 
to what it is now, which is, I mean, to listen to you talk about him and Colby, they're your kids. They're family. Yeah. Yeah. I tell everybody, Gladys and, and Cookie, they're mom and dad. But Jenna and I are the next thing to in line. If well, that's the David something. Nygaard you know I mean? paternal that's right. sort of thing. That's, that's right. exactly right. Yeah. So, do you remember when that was? It a gradual yeah. slow. No, build? it wasn't. It wasn't very gradual. It was he. I, I I knew John, and I'd seen him at some little, little jackpots and stuff around there when I'd go watch a horse go, whatever. But they came to my house to sell a horse, and the horse was terrible. And and John John told me he said I said John you can ride this horse he said, no sir I ain't getting on me crazy and I said John ride no he's I ain't riding and Cookie told him, John get on the horse he said I ain't riding so I, I can't remember who was working for me at the time but I put him on him he was terrible and uh, that was that was about two or three months before my junior open and I had a junior open at back then it was at Salado and I noticed Jenna called me in the office there that first morning she said hey you know your boy that boy John Dow said yeah. She said, well, he's only entered in the 1,500 tie-down. And there was a 1,500 breakaway and a 1,600 tie-down, and then we had a, a, that 21-under shootout. There. Yeah, so there's a bunch of ropes. A lot of he could rope that. Yeah. And she said, why do you think that? And I said, well, he probably don't have the money or something. She said, well, let's enter him. She said, he was a nice boy, wasn't he? I said, he's a really good kid. Yeah. So I went and found him, and I said, hey, John. He said, and I said, uh, you want to rope some more ropes? He, he kind of looked at me. Well, yeah. I said, no, no. I said, me and Jenna going to pay your fees for half. You want to rope? Oh, yes, sir, I'll rope. I'm not helping you, bud. This is a business. Yeah, I said, this is, this is good for both of us. You <laughs> yeah. need rope. And I just bought this little sorrel horse the week before, and I took him up there for somebody to ride in it. And I, I said, you ain't there riding? He said, nope, I don't. I said, well, I got one. Now, he ain't much. I just bought him. Right. He went the 15 under breakaway. He went the 15 under tie down. He went the 16 and under, and he won the shootout. No kidding. And when he got done that week and he come up there and was visiting with Jenna and was getting his money and stuff, when he walked off there, Jenna said, he's got it, don't he? I said, he's got it. He's yeah. a real deal. And she said, well, then we need to make sure he's got a chance. And, that, wow. and after that, I mean, you know, I we hauled him. Well, and that's an outlet for a mom's heart too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was great. And listen, as good as we've been for them, right. they were that good for Jenna too. Yeah, this because right here is why we don't do video right to, here. Yeah, uh, to this man, day, those boys have never missed a Mother's Day. Wow. I'm telling you, it don't matter where they're at, what they're doing. Right. Somehow they get flowers, a card, they do something, and and that's that's what I help. Yeah. You know, I don't right. help their ability or their pe they're good people. Yeah. I help that right. because both them boys are good hearted, good kids. And like John had such the ability, Jordan, it would have been such a shame to see him not yeah. get to where he's at right now. Three times he's been in the finals. He's won Houston. You know, he's. He's yeah. where he wants And he's be. not done. No, 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 he's not. <laughs> and he's where he's supposed to be. Yeah. But what if I would have OD'd? Right. What if I would have took the other choice when Brody died? Yeah. You know, what if, what if, what if, you know, I had three or four chances there to not be around to help him do that. Right. But those wouldn't have been near as rewarding as this is. No, no. Well, no. there's nothing... There's nothing selfish that's ever as rewarding as something altruistic ever, no yep. matter what it is. Yep. When you get to be a part of being a contributor instead of a consumer, yep. <clears throat> life is designed to work better that way. Yep. And you know what helped me, too, I think, in all that is I roped with the guys. You know, I, I Mike Arnold lived with me. You know, I've known Mike since we were – I was 13 or 12. You know, he didn't have nothing. He came from nothing. Yeah. And he'd come and stay with us, rope with us. He lived with me, you know, on and off three, Did he four ride times. bulls in college? Oh, dude. Let me tell you, Cloverdale, when you're there, interviewed him on a joke. Yeah. He had to run her up to a bull a year in Canada, and he wrote him 7.5 seconds. No kidding. Barring Bobby Del Vecchio's ropes, and I don't think he even had any chaps on. He bulldogged. He damn near made the finals in the bulldogging in about – he was living in California, maybe 
94 or 5 right there. He about made yeah. the bullying finals. I mean, he could do it all. I've seen But it. I roped with him. I lived with yeah. him. You know, Fred. Fred and me lived together and roped together countless hours. You know, so I've seen I, – I, I was lucky. I got to see all the guys that were like me that we had to make it. You know, yeah. we had to make it for ourselves. We didn't have any – you know, back then, sponsors weren't even around. I can remember when Ty – let me think. Was it MGM? No, no, no. No, no, for all that. Sam Applebaum was our agent. It was Jim Sharp, Ty Murray, Charmaine, me, Jake Clay, somebody else. We were the first ones to do any sponsor money packages. He got us all together, and he said, okay, here's what we're going to sign for as a team. We're not going to take less than this. Everybody's going to be on the same page. We're going to do this. We had Acme Boots. We had Wrangler. We had... Man, I can't remember all of them together, but it was all of us. When you saw a picture, you yeah. saw all of us. Well, and that's smart because that if a company wants the team, that's fine. But if they only want one of the guys, too bad. Mm -hmm. So your chances of getting that money are go way up because yep. by getting the team, you get all of them. Yep. And if you don't, you don't get any of them. That's the, right. The and, and we started that. I mean, it was way before any. You didn't see nothing on anybody, you know. Yeah. So I think all of that put together helped me to be able to be in the position I'm in now. To help those guys, but how I also often, knew what it took to make it because I saw all of us make it. How often? And I want to get back to the clinics here yep. for just in a second. But but how often? How involved are you in like John's sponsorship packages now? Because as the guy that's been there, done that, he he's got to get offers that are terrible. Everybody gets them, right? Yeah. Does he run stuff like that by you, or is that does he handle that? Yeah, himself, he will. Or? He does. We talk a lot about other things. You know, like at the night down there, you know, we'd be talking. Before the rope and during the team rope, and he'd come down, you know, we'll be visiting during a bulldog or something. Everybody's mm -hmm. always saying, we don't, we, we don't talk about rope. And usually we're not, even, we're not talking right. about that. You know, right. it's right. the other part of, of John's, you know, being that I think is, we discuss more. And, and if he don't, if he thinks something's a little funny, he'll call me and run it by me. You know, yeah. what do you think about this? Because I think the one thing he does know is that beyond any, any doubt that he might ever have of, of Jen and I of anything, We'd never do anything to to hurt him or to yeah selfish to, nothing selfish. yeah nothing you know that yeah. way. So I think maybe that's why he does that. So I've been to a couple of your clinics or, or, mm -hmm. or we maybe hosted or something. Yep. I can't remember exactly their organ, but you've got an ability that most people won't ever have, and that is your ability to remember names and faces. And it frustrates the fire out of me personally. It's just yeah. to no end because I don't remember names and faces very well. Right. You can meet somebody, and 15 years later, you see them in an airport, and you remember name and face. When you go to a clinic, you've got all the names, all the faces memorized quick. So when you're talking to somebody and you say their name, it's mm -hmm. personal. Uh, not only are you giving instruction, but it's a personal interaction at these clinics, right? Yep. And, and that I'm sure that's something that's been perfected over the years. I know that. But of all the guys that have come through your clinic, who would, of the calf ropers, who are the top three kids that showed up the most well-rounded? Do you, do, you, do you remember three? RJ. RJ showed up. He was about 14 or 15, and he had some game. He he had a lot of we, – we, I tweaked a few things. It was over in, I think, Ardmore, Alabama or somewhere they, they came. But RJ I, – I don't know how old he was, but 15, 16 right there, man, he had a lot of game. He Just already had, had a lot, a lot of game. Um, I, I knew there was just a matter of time, you know. Right. Um, I tell you, who had who had it all, but he had the most heart of anybody I've ever seen. And and I actually went down the rope on my knees to try to figure out how he had to his center of gravity to break him over because okay. he doesn't flank like I teach flanking. But I had to figure out how to help him because he was so short but so tough, Scott Cormos. 
Huh. KK was uh he was always little and and I had to figure out I was like I can't he can't bring me right. where I do right so my dad said well get on his level so I didn't know how to do it so I got on my knees I go down <laughs> rope crawling on my knees and I'd flank like, my oh knees, I got it you know yeah so but but RJ and KK they they had a lot I mean they they had a lot and then I, I'll tell you and I don't even know I don't even know really how we ever. I don't even know how, where it, where we all started it, but he came to he came to two or three of them, um, and now, you know, he was little and he was young, but you could just tell he he had game and he asked a million questions. You know, um, is guys like J.R. Myers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Shane. I mean, the guys that 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 you just knew they had a little bit different because they had the game, they had it figured out. You know. Right. Um, I think there was a boy. I tell you one. There was a boy named Slade Bronson in Florida, and he doesn't even rope anymore. He, he quit a long time ago. But I thought Slade had as much game at, at 15, 16, 17 years old. I thought he could have went on. You know, big, really? strong, a lot of game. Um, do you remember a kid? And he kind of fell off the tracks and disappeared. But do you remember a kid named Jared Seal? Oh, sure, that? sure. I remember watching that kid. We were from mm-hmm. Texas. Yep. In my opinion, if you want to know where calf yep. roping takes place, it's not. There's great calf ropers everywhere. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's not seventy of them everywhere. Nope. And I remember the first time I watched that kid, and I remember thinking like it was rare for us to see a kid from somewhere else yep. that was like, yep. And that kid at that age. And I'll was, tell you another one, and, and he's proved it over now, over and over. But he was about. I don't know the first time, maybe twelve when he came, and he was little. And then he was about fourteen or fifteen, I think, the last time. But that you you just knew that that was it is is Haven. Yeah, Haven was a kid that you know. I mean, if if there was five in your group roping, you know, like I'll break them and right. you run five, and the next group run five, yep. whatever. Yep. If if you roped and then I roped and it was Haven, then the next guy roped and Haven again. And then next guy in Haven, I'm like, hey, wait, you're Chill. He, he wanted to run him, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but there's there's those guys like him, Montana. You you know we don't we don't have to deal with the mud and the cold and the ice and the snow. And that's what I tell people. There's Y'all don't tough, understand, there's man. There's a tough that only happens. I'm telling you, it's a different north. deal. Same way with up in the east, you know, like just like, you know, my girls, you know, like just like the, just like Martha and Sarah, you know, they were young when they came to school back there, but. It's hard. It's it's cold. It's nasty. Right. You don't get right. The, You've got the elements working it, against yeah, you. Instead yeah, yeah. It's for almost you. a it's a respect that I have for them. Seen them young to stay hooked with it, dude. And, and that's make it. it. And that's a better way of saying it is that they are facing challenges that guys in the South don't. I mean, don't, don't even understand. I was roping in a long sleeve shirt. Yep. Like I, I ride yep. Colts every single day. I don't have elemental challenges yep. against me. So for a young person, and then and then to be able to put a run together that's competitive. I mean, it's that's defying the odds. Oh man, who's the biggest? Who's the biggest challenge? The guy that came and you're like, nope, ain't happening. Sorry, bud, do something different. And then he was able to work through it. Anybody that just was the like the the turnaround story? Yeah, I'll tell you the one I think the biggest one. And I taught I I didn't teach. I tried to help him and tell him you got you have two assets and you have to use them. You have a ability to use your long rope. You're going to have to use it because you're never going to be the caddy fast guy. <laughs> and you flank good, so never miss flank one. And that was Jared Hoffman. I was about to ask you. I was about to ask you. Yeah, I was about to say, please let me guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, guy, that guy outperformed his – well, he was an athlete in a way that you wouldn't think of athlete. Hey, he was an athlete like if he'd have played football, you'd have went to college and, and yes. no telling yes. what. Yes, But he was big. Yes. Yes. When I got him, you know, I got a picture of him somewhere when, in when, when my clinic getting a buckle, and he's big as me. Yeah. And he's about – 14. Yeah, he's baby Huey at 13, Yo, 14 years gosh, old. Oh, my gosh, you know. But I always told him, I said, listen, you, you're you going to have to use your long rope. And he get was it on, ropey. 
for you a big kid. Right just he was made the national finals a couple times that way. Yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah, I thought Jared was one I was always so proud of because you know I'd say that kid ropes good and they'd look at me like you know. Adam Gray, like Adam Gray told me one time that he matched him from the post a couple times, and and Adam said he goes that guy will surprise you. Oh, because he but, looks like he's lumbering, but he slow. would flank him when he touched him. Yeah. You know, I wanted him to have that ability to, as you hit him, bam, have him flank because you don't get yeah. there as fast. Yeah, and he yeah. said, and, he, and that's what that's what Adam said. He goes, he just yeah. doesn't beat himself. He no. does not beat himself. He's that guy that's always on your heels, and you're like, man, if I trip, it's over. Yep, and that'll that'll cause mistakes. That'll, that'll make people run over themselves. Yeah, yep. yeah. So now, what's your what's the next five years? I mean, we're we're gonna wrap it up here, but what in, in your mind? Do you like the broadcast deal? I do. Yeah, I enjoy it. You know, and I like working with Jeff Metters. You know, Jeff and I go way back, 1999, um, the one year I had knee surgery, and he calls me out of the blue, and he says, you know, hey, it's, and I knew him from doing the TV, sure. you know, and he said, I want you to come to San Francisco and do San Francisco with us. And I was like, do what? <laughs> and he said, I want you to do the TV, and we'll do interviews, and what you call him, like, okay. All right. And I, and I had never done anything, any TV. Uh, the only thing I'd done was – some speech stuff in high school, you know, with um, uh, a history class that she'd make me get up and talk and tell what I know because I was always sleeping in it. And stuff. <laughs> so, I, and I started with him in 99. And so that's then, where the BS started is the history class because you didn't know. You didn't just, know, man. <laughs> I, I went to Catholic school and the nuns didn't put up with it, you know, and she knew I was tired and rodeoing. And I had a coach, man, bless, bless his heart, man, Coach Tib. I had him for economics the first class the last two years of high school. And I would, I'd park right across from that main building, <laughs> and I could run in there, and I'd hit the door before the he, and he, and I'd sleep half the time, and he let me because he knew I was just wore ass out. Talk about history, like listen, I, I can't get it exactly right, but here's basically what I remember. She's like, so you were asleep, we got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. So you went to work with Jeff and yep, in '99, and then I came back, I think, in oh something. I didn't make them, and then I think I've been there since '08. There's 07 now. The yeah. last time I made it was in 06. I quit in 08. But I've been there a good while. Done a lot of rodeos with him, a lot of stuff. And, and I enjoy it. I do. I, I, I like bringing, you know, maybe some of it you could be, you know, you could not be nicer and I could, you know, whatever with them. But, I, you know, I want to tell it like it is and what's happening because my dad told me when I first started doing it, he said, look, you know what you're seeing, but right. if you can't make the people watching enjoy it right. or have some knowledge about that's the right. back part, that's they're not right. going to watch. That's Well, that's exactly right. You it's know? it's a weird one because it's almost an analyst color commentary combo, really. It like, is, yeah. You yep. watch football and you got like Joe Buck and Tony Romo, which is like the straight guy and then the former former player. And what what you do, you do well as a color commentator. Yep. You know, but then the, the actual commentary of what's going on is, it's a weird combo. So, it is. People ask me what I do for work, and I'm like, well, I'm training horses, and I do a podcast. Mm -hmm. But what I know is they kind of go hand in hand because yep. I know that there are people that hear about me or what I do with the horses because they listen to the podcast, right? right? right, right. Do you feel like that it's, a, that it's a benefit to you with what you're doing with clinics and all the schools? You're just kind of staying in the conversation from a business standpoint. Does it help? You know, I think maybe it did it first. You know, I've been doing clinics so long now, and I got – you know, I don't never – I don't never – put it out or tell you it, but you know, man, I got a lot of them come through my clinics. It went a lot. Right. And, and it's not that I'm, and I'm not saying I do them any better than anybody else, but I've done a lot of them. Right. You know, I'm going to say maybe next to Walt Woodard. I don't know if anybody's done more than I have, you know, right. I, I do 20, 25 a year for the last 20 right. years, you know? Right. So maybe I don't need it now, but it does not. Yes. I, I think Doesn't it helps hurt. because also Brody told me one time, if you have not started feeding unbeatable feeds, my question is simply why not? 
There's a video. You can look it up on social media. Ren Richard put out about what he's feeding his steers. I'm telling you, we, we talk about the effects that has on horses. Obviously, the bloom, the, the benefit, the fiber, all the stuff that we've talked about. But I'm going to tell you another thing. I have never seen a feed that will put life back into older rope and steers. So if you're sick of the price of cattle and tired of buying fresh ones, what it allowed us to do here, I can only speak from my own experience, is we've been able to buy older cattle, put them on unbeatable uh, feeds, beat pulp pellets, and it is like the fountain of youth for older rope and cattle. It brings life back into them. You don't have to overfeed them. It is as good a feed as you can find for older rope and steers. Um, I've also got a little set of muleys, and they're growing like crazy on it. So check them out at Unbeatable Feeds. Obviously, we've talked about the horse benefit. Man, the steer stuff also, goodness sakes. Check them out. Unbeatable Feeds. We live in one of the hottest real estate markets in the Western industry here in Wickenburg. It can be confusing. I know that people from out of town go, okay, where does everything happen? What's in the middle of things? What's the dark side of the moon? Let me tell you, Erin Freeman, she's not only a friend, she is an absolute professional in the real estate industry. You can find her at Erin Freeman Properties on Facebook. You can check her out at erinfreeman.realtor on Instagram and TikTok. Here's what I like about Erin. She is from a team roping family. She understands that when you call and say you're looking for arena, you don't mean a riding pin. When you say I'm looking for something with stalls, it doesn't mean four panels chained together. She understands the industry, but she also understands the, the, the lifestyle. One of the things I'll say about Erin, like I said, not only is she great, I don't know if she'd want me saying this, she also kind of keeps her finger on the rental industry too. So if you're looking for a rental, maybe not officially, but I can tell you she knows where it's at. She's also brutally honest. She will tell you exactly what's happening in the industry. If you're too high, if you're too low, if what you're looking for is achievable, if she has in her inventory what you're looking for, you will get an honest assessment from somebody who not only understands what you're looking for, but where to find it. Check her out, Aaron Freeman. Yes, I think Doesn't it helps hurt. because also, Brody told me one time, I remember that he told me one time, he said, Dad, it's okay to get old, but don't be old. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's what's helped my clinics and my roping so much. Right. I still, when I take, go, go somewhere with John or used to, and now it's Kobe, I watch. I watch the, I watch the breakaway, and I watch the tie down. And when I go to the circuit rodeos in the summer, you know, we usually go to the Great Lakes or, you know, go somewhere in southeast if I'm at my place in Florida. I watch because I want to know that what I'm teaching or showing or talking about is not outdated yes sir now my way works but i may have to tweak it every now and then with the different shorter barriers right you know maybe i change my first swing a little uh narrow arenas maybe i change my horse riding a little yeah. you know stuff like getting that. getting old without being old he yeah. always said he said man dad it's okay to get old but don't be old so you know you so i guess the yes i guess that's that's a good part of it you know between you know between the the clinics and the and the tv and you know, I, so, I buy and sell a lot of horses, I, but my business is different than most, Jordan. It, it's 80% 17 and under. So yeah, I sell to kids. Right, so right. when you sell them, you got to know what you're selling beyond because, oh, you, Woody. you know, they're, 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 they're going to want to either trade them in or sell them back yep. in a two, three years if you're lucky, if they yeah. you know if they do what you're supposed to, right. or they're going to have problems with them and it's going to be your fault. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I buy and sell a lot, uh, but I, you but sell a horse you're prepared to buy back later. You, my dad told me, and I never forget this. Calvin Greeley was standing with me one day, and I sold a practice horse, and he was terrible. You know, this is way back there. I mean, this is probably eighty seven. I was about to leave for the summer. I'd, I'd buy a practice horse or two, mm. ride them all winter, spring. When I leave for the summer, I'd sell them because I wasn't coming back back then till right October. Right. You know. And I remember that one going and the kid leaving with him. And I told him, I looked at both of them. I said, boy, I'm glad that piece of, you know, what's gone. And my dad said, well, let me tell you something. Later in life, if you go to selling them and you're glad to see him leave, you better not sell him. 
Right. Because that meant right. you sold him to survive. And if you got to have the money that bad, Man. you'll screw somebody Man, for a deal. is that not the truth? And, and I'm telling you, I've tried to live by that deal forever. You know, and, and I mean, I sell, you know, I sell 40 a year. I probably look at 80, 70 or 80, you know. I think a guy will forgive you for selling one you hate if you tell him that I hate him. Straight up front. Hey. Or if I tell you this, this horse is no good unless you give him three cc's ace. Right. And you go and you don't give it to him, that ain't my fault. Well, here's what I'll you say. Know, or, if, or if I tell you you run 50 on him right. and he's better or don't run but two yeah. and you do the opposite, yeah. that's not me. If you follow the blueprint. He's yep. supposed to work. Well, no, yep. well, I've told people, it's like, hey, if I got if I got to give him a CC of chlorpromazine, well, here's what I'll do. I'll give you a free bottle of chlorpromazine so that you can follow yeah. it. But, and, but and if that's what it takes deal. to be good, what, why, why not? Why and, wouldn't you? And here's the other part of that. And I just told <clears> this lady the other day that I, she wanted what I had, and I had five. And I sent the videos, and two of them sold, you know, like, the next week. And I told her, I said, you got them three. And she said, well, I need, you know, what are you going to tell How do I need to get there? And all? I said, listen, if I have to sell this horse to you to to change the way I live, right. then I'm in a bind. I'm right. in the wrong business. Right. So I don't care if you buy them or not. I can afford to tell you the truth. I, I'm going to tell you like it is, good or bad. I don't care. Because if not, we're going to rope on him. You know, we're going to keep him. Yeah. But but my business is, it's people. My business has been people for a long time. And I think the best, the best thing that ever happened to me is I was on both sides of it. Mm -hmm. You know, starting out, man, I didn't have anything. But I had a lot of people help me and, and people in my corner. And I had people driving me. You know, I had people that, you know, like my mother, that you could not, I could call home and win three, four out of three out of four. And she's, what'd you do with the other one? Well, I broke the barrier <laughs> miss. You can Why? win three and you can't win four. You know, but that, that, that drove right. me a different way. Right. People didn't understand our relationship, right. but it was ours and it was yeah. the way it drove me. Joe, you know? how many people have moms that are the opposite? That like, oh, no yeah. matter how bad it is, they're like, just at least you're trying, baby. Well, like, yeah, and yeah. they cripple them. Never had that. Never would know what, what that's that an even advantage. Was. What an advantage! Never even, you know. I remember the first time I hurt my knee. I was matching a guy named Larry Minley, and I was about seventeen, and he was grown or whatever, you know. And I had a big old red calf. I jerked down. I stepped in front of him. And he was going to run by me. Mm. I was late getting there, mm -hmm. and he was going to run by me. And it was like fifth one in the match. And I said, "He's like," and I just stuck my leg from him. He's blowed through my knee. Well, back then, you know. You took time off or, you know, they did x-ray. They didn't have MRIs to see all the, right. you know, whatever. So I give it her a month or two, whatever they said. Rub some Vagisil on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, rubber band it a little bit and yeah. take off. Yeah. And I can remember I started back. I'd run in there. When i go to flank, when I'd break down and pivot, it would just pop out and I'd uh. fall down. And she was like, I can't believe you're not mentally strong enough to make that <laughs> knee stay in there for five seconds. You know what I mean? And most people are like, All I got to do is flank a cat. She said, you Just can't make your knee stay in place. You're not even getting off a horse. But that was her, that was her mentality on right. winning. It was right. that important. You right. know what I mean? Right. So I took that and I took a very easy going, laid back, you know, dad that was the other part of it yeah but then when i hit the real world thanks to stephen perry teach me how to get everywhere and and i can remember even as far back in my career as trevor when i'd go to enter us over four i'd enter the fourth or them weeks it was busy you, you know i'd get us everywhere and he's mm. like man we got all them other you dang right. yeah because stephen taught right taught me that yeah nygaard taught me how to watch who's walking up behind you watching the bar who's looking your way you right. know, watch the stuff like that yeah. and when to hit them and when to not and, you know, when to change horses and when to grind it out. So yeah. I think I had all that behind me and I try to take that and 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 send John off that with way. With the people. With you know, people, and now yeah. I got Kobe and I'm trying to get him. How's Kobe now? Kobe's uh, 19 la last week. Where's he at? Well, I mean, in the, in the, he's in going the process. To, he's, he's, 
he's he's a little bit. I'm not gonna say behind where John was because Kobe rides way better than any kid I've ever had. But it's like you know, Jenna said the other day, he's been with us since he was seven. Right. John was 14. He was seven. Yeah. So I've never let him. You know, poor kid. He never gets away with anything. Yeah. You know, where's yeah. your left hand? Pulling me, you know, set it right. back. Don't pick up when you nod. You so know, he's just, almost coming up, almost like growing up in a horse training oh, family. Man. Instead but of, he, but, but I have always had that practice horse where, all right, go blast. Yeah. So he can use his long rope. He ties fast. Makes too many mistakes. We're working on that now. Yeah. But he's at that point where, he's actually that we just talked about the other day, and I don't know what I'm gonna do with him in summer. I'm either gonna go to Canada. For the summer, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm going to pick. I, I can't go the Great Lakes Circuit like I did John, because the kids are big and they're sorry. Yeah, and John was big and strong. Right, Kobe's right. tall and thin still. Right, so I can't take him back there where they beat him up. Yeah, but I got to. So I Canada, wanna, Canada was a smaller, smaller cast, faster setups. I, I want to take him somewhere though where he has to learn it. He didn't get to fix it, but what a couple times a month. You know, yeah, we'll go to Morgan's. Right. You know, more, my my boy Morgan, the other one. I, mm-hmm. you know, we we. I talk and I send him off, you know, and he lives in Canada and, you know, we can go fix it. But I feel like I owe him the same start I give John. Yeah. You know, so right. I, I I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's going to be somewhere because um, he is an unbelievable talent. It's a little raw, but Kobe's really smart. I could pick the phone up right now and call him and I could say, Kobe, I'm out here in Arizona and this Dunhorse with the B brand that we sold to this girl year before last where'd he come from and he could tell me exactly all the history where we got him i mean just unbelievable last question i'll let you get out of here i appreciate you taking all the time you have but with jeff leaving the cowboy channel mm-hmm. you said you you know you've enjoyed working with jeff has there has there been any talks or any thought about what that's going to look like for you has anybody said anything or no. are you just waiting to i'm just gonna wait and see what happens you know um jeff and carly are, are a big part of that um you know I, i'm probably I'm probably one of the reasons Jeff got hired. Um, I told Patrick one day, I said, hey, man, you know, I don't remember what was happening. Something's got going good, and we were supposed to do something, didn't do it or whatever. And I remember him saying, well, I don't know. What What do you think? Or, or I don't know what you think we can do about this. And I said, man, I'd hire Jeff Metters because he's done this for right. 20 years, you right. know. So, you know. I think the whole industry right now is kind of like, okay, so then now what? Hey, right. I'm telling you, man, that's a big that's a big gate left open right there because, yeah. you know, you say what you want about him. It's kind of like I said about me. You can say whatever you want about me, but what I do, I'm good at. Yeah. And what he does, he's great at. Yeah, he is. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it goes and what it does. It's going to be, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to pick up where he left off. It won't be that whatever it is, it won't be the same. No. Whatever it is, it won't be the same. And I will say this: I think the Cowboy Channel and the road, all the rodeos have done wonders for the Western industry. Oh, you know, absolutely. I mean, done wonders for. Yeah. It. Um, I, I know it's been hard. I think on some announcers and mm-hmm. some uh, uh, entertainers. Well, the, the clowns, the clowns that make their living telling the exact same joke year after year after year after year. Finally, now people are like, "Wait a minute." Well, and here's another thing, though: if you and I go buy a ticket and go watch a rodeo at Phoenix. We don't watch it four nights in a row, so we don't. It doesn't get old. Yes, but remember, and those guys, I will tell you, they're this. entertaining them now. Now, yes, but I will push back on this point. Flint Rasmussen, you go to Rapid City, he tells different joke every oh, night. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was he was yeah, so Flint, dedicated. Flint was way Flint above Flint. his. Yeah, Flint is Flint's Flint. Jeff Matters. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with people seeing a distinction and going, okay, that's what made Flint. Yep. The guy that the PBR called. Yep. It wasn't just random. No, luck. no, no. They picked him for a reason. Yeah. 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 And so you get yeah. to see some of that. And I, uh, again, it's not bashing on guys that yeah. never change their material. But I think but. it's hard on them because they're not, they don't hire on to do 
20, 30,000 extra opinions yeah, every night. You know what right. I mean? So no, some of them right. have taken it hard and some of them have helped. I will say that. Yeah. I think some of them have sharpened up. And then some of them, I think it's kind of ground grinding on them a little bit. Well, but, it's like a comedian. If, you, yep. if you're a comedian and your show is played over and over and over every single night, people are like, boring, yep. right? Yep. Uh, but 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 as far as TV for rodeo is done, it's one, done yeah. wonders. Yeah. Man, it's yeah. done wonders. You know, it's opened so many doors. Well, your and, sponsor money is now getting the bang for its buck because if yep. you're sponsoring a cowboy, you're actually getting your product in front of that yep. many more people. I would assume that's brought more sponsor and dollars more, in. And more interviews, you know, yeah. with, with – you know, like Amy and all of her interviews and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, that's helped immensely because that actually has a person standing there with a camera, not moving for 30 seconds to a minute. And right. that's a lot of time. Try to buy a minute of advertising on TV. Right. It's a hell of a lot cheaper than what they put that patch on that guy for. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that, I, yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's interesting to see. I would have never thought Rodeo was going to have its own ESPN. Yeah, that's exactly. Kind of and that's we what we have. Yeah. You know, you I, know but, but what's so cool, I think, on my end? I'm just going to take him, you know, for Stetson Wright, okay? It's so cool for me because I was lucky enough to be around to see all three of the goats, I think. Tom Murray, yep. Trevor, and Stetson. Really? I got to rodeo with two of them, and I've got to do the other one watching him doing my telecast and doing all the TV, standing yeah. there watching him in his events. Yeah. So you, you can't ask for much more being in my position and, and doing what I've done. Man, how would you like to just been able to play the same time as you know, as as whoever you picking LeBron and right. and Michael and whoever? I right. got to do it with all three. Right. You know that that's yeah, a that's, pretty that's playing with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Yes. LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I've got to do it and then watch, you know, LeBron from a front row seat. So it's 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 made it to where I think I think I, I appreciate the TV what it's done for sure. But I also think back, boy, you know what it could have done yeah. back there with them because we were, you know, you know when we were at our and when we were in our prime, all of us, it, it, it you're you're in a place where you've always uh, dreamed of being, and it's hard to stay there. Yeah. But all of us guys that did it, you know three or four times or whatever, however many, you know, you, you got, you've, you've given all you have to do it. And I think it's so cool for Ty and, and Trevor, you know, that was on that end. And yeah. then it was Trevor. Now Nobody bad. tried to beat Ty because you couldn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. I got, I got two all around championships in his time while he was hurt. Right. You know, and I, and right. I wasn't stupid. I mean, right. I wasn't going to compete against the three events. Right. No. Team roping was half the money back then. Right. You know, that's another thing. I think the breakaway girls need to cool their jets a little bit. It's not like they're not getting anywhere. I didn't team rope for 10 years because it was half the money. Right. You couldn't make no money. Right. The finals didn't even pay, you know, so, so yeah, I didn't it. Do is it is progressing. It is oh, progressing. Oh, yes, it it's is. It's come a long ways. It's just. In four years, yeah. it's came from nowhere to somewhere. Right. Now, do I think it needs to be better? Indeed, I do. Right. I think the finals need to be better. Right. The rodeos are good. Yeah. I'm telling you right they're, now. They're over equal money at a lot of places. Jordan, the team you and I went it. for years, and I, I went for years. Cheyenne, the team roping was not even equal money. I watched, <laughs> I watched the first. Let me think if I'm saying this right. The first year team roping got added mm-hmm. at Cheyenne was like oh, what was it? Oh yeah, is way late. Oh two. I watched. I think I won second. Oh two. Okay, so it's been there a while. I watched the first year they had team roping at Fort Worth mm-hmm. in my lifetime. I'm not that old. Yep, I mean, I'm nope. 41, but in my yep. lifetime. Team roping was really kind of the stepchild. They stepped in with break with equal money. Cheyenne like that. Yeah. Fort Worth like that. I'm telling you, if I if I was yeah, that happened faster. Well, than, yeah. I, it, that's what I keep telling them. Just give it a little. You know, quit stuffing it 
down because it's coming. Yeah, yeah. It is coming Take a deep there. breath. Take yes, a deep breath. because It'll they didn't that long ago. Hey, you know how many girls I could go back and look at my clinics that quit after college that were oh, that were oh. Shelby and 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 Cheyenne's name and one name you know one that I'm sticks saying? out. Who's the one that sticks out? They're like, oh, we lost that person. I can't believe there wasn't a place for a person like that to go. Somebody I just talked to this last week was think was uh, let me think, let me think, because we just had this conversation. Um, gosh, dog, I mean, she won everything too. I'm gonna think of that because why, we just why, had this conversation. Well, while you're thinking about it, I think of people like Tessie McMullen. You oh know, yeah, and her sister, like that hey, era. What about, uh, that era of people. Durant, um, Durant. Gosh dang, she won everything. She quit. What about Karen Little? Yeah, Karen Little yeah. could have played yeah. right in, but you know she won all the amateur deals. But For she's sure. she's a, a doctor now because well, there was like girls like you know, Jackie Joe Cheney way that, back. There in you the go. Day. That's yeah, the ones you I'm know, talking. Yeah. All that uh, Oklahoma group. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were there were girls that we just really kind of never heard of because there Dude, wasn't anywhere for them to go. They were badass, but they quit because there wasn't what it is now. It's basically Cheyenne like being, it's basically talking, like being a goat tire. Uh, you're like, uh, oh yeah. yeah, you do that when you're growing. Shine, I was talking about the other day. She went sixty thousand out there at Vegas. 50-something thousand at the jackpots in the finals. What we need is the finals to pay that. And if it's at Michael's, be thankful Michael's letting us have it there. Sure. And let's build it up there. Then we'll worry about getting it in the building, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, I know I sit in on all the stuff, and I I, I see – I understand, yes, it should be there. Yes, I want it there. But I would rather the rounds pay 25,000 at Michael's Somewhere right now, else, and then not, we'll yeah. get you know because yeah. I want them to have yeah. the money. Yeah, and they, and I, and they can do that. That's doable. It, it is doable. Yeah. The other, it's questionable because that's out of our hands. Any ties into the new rodeo at Arlington with PBR? You don't have any ties to it or know anything about it or about the, the team, team deal? Team rodeo. I'm, I'm I'm Sid Steiner's assistant coach. Really? Yep. Sid called me and said, "Hey, they get you for coach." I said, "No, they don't. They don't want me." They don't call me about stuff like that. And they that. let the coaches pick their own assistant. And he said, then you're hired. You're my assistant. No kidding. And nobody knew it till the other night at Vegas. I guess he told them at the deal, and they were all like, bullshit. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, that's my guy. So I, I, yeah. I know you got to go home. and I'm we're, not, lay, I, we're laying plans, let me tell you. I want – is there any – okay, because I am going to wrap it up. I know. We've, I know. I'm sorry. I've kept you longer than <laughs> you need good. to stay, but we're I good. am just – People are going to fly- be bored listening, but I know, we're no, good. BS. I am flying <laughs> to New York uh, on Thursday to go do a podcast with Sean Gleason at Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden about this. I'm that I'm that curious about it. Yeah. Can you give me a little idea? I don't know. I don't know of- that much, honestly. Sid called me and said, hey, I'm locking you in. You be my sister. We got to do a draft deal into January or something, and and – we can't I, I, obviously we can't drop draft picks, but you can pick anybody that's nominated. That's anybody right. that's made themselves eligible, yep. you got them to and pick then, from. And then and then the the format, the way they kind of want to do it, I think it needs some tweaking. You know, some they had they hadn't just per se asked me yet, but I think they need to tweak. It's on how new. Do it. Some, you, know, you know, they might they yeah, might learn. But, some but as see, they, go. they want to kind of from what I gather, and I mean, like so I said, I don't. It's like know. a Winston Cup thing. Well, no, it's it's they want to set up like the old tour de rodeos years ago when they had the Tulsa Twisters and the. Texas okay. Wranglers and stuff. Yeah. So, in other words, in the steer wrestling, like in the in the bull and the calf roping, you went the same time, two shoots and the same. What was the guy's name that put those on in Texas years ago? Well, like had the red, red light, green yellow, lights. green light. Yeah, I yeah. have them in my junior ropers, but but they're they're different. They're, the arena's not. They ain't no fence in the middle. There was a calf shoot over here and over here, and they turned them out same time. And and the bell racers actually used the one barrel. The you know, same barrel. Yes. Yeah. So I don't. They're gonna have to tweak on that a little bit for team roping, you know, and for some things. But if they get it pulled off, it is cool as heck to watch. Yeah. I, I, well, I would love. I would hope 
that I can check in as you guys start having practices or whatever that's yeah. going to look like, just to know. I would yeah, love no, to know what that's going to look I, like. I'm in with Sid. Like I told Sid, let me know when I when I need to do something. When I'm not, I'm not. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm a week out here clinics, and then I'm gonna take a break, go to my place in Florida, and I'm gonna chill for a couple months and ease around, and then I start back you know, clinics March 22nd. I go, I think between March 22nd and May the 26th, I've got. I think I've got 16 days off, 14 Perfect. days. So that's awesome, Joe. Yep. More than I can tell you, I appreciate you coming by. Yep. Thanks Enjoyed for it. The, it was the, the inaugural house podcast. Yeah, appreciate that's made it special too. Yeah, we'll do it again. All right, buddy.